Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fan-Sided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison, a contributor at NinerNoise.com, and here with me to have another conversation about those darn Seahawks is fellow contributor Akshas Dividula. Akshas, how's it going, man? Well, it's great, Robert. You know, I um, we um, I made a joke in our little Slack, our group Slack last week that um, the Seahawks Cowboys game was like the younger brothers of their respective divisions playing, <laughs> and then. What's it called? Philly 49ers is like the bigger brothers, at least this year, right? I'm yeah. not I'm not trying to get into any larger discussions than that. <laughs> but if that was last year, then this week is um this is the siblings basically fighting each other. It's a big game for the 49ers, even though, you know, the Eagles win was such an incredible like experience for the team and really like put them back in the hunt for the first seed. I feel like this is the game that really is the gotta have it. If you win this game, like the entire rest of the season becomes so much easier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So they'll be hosting uh, Seattle. Uh, They went to Seattle on Thanksgiving um, in a kind of weird scheduling quirk. uh, Seattle got to play Thursday night for Thanksgiving and then the following Thursday night. So they had a, a normal week just kind of, over a different period of days. So they're coming off with another Thursday night game. We'll talk about that, I'm sure, a little bit later and how that might impact this game. Um, Niners looking to extend their winning streak to five games, and they can't clinch the division this week because if the Rams win, uh, the Rams would still technically be um, have the opportunity mathematically to win, especially considering that these two teams play each other, uh, that the Rams and the 49ers play each other the last week of the season. But it's going to really put them in a good position, uh, mathematically speaking, uh, in the division. They can, however, possibly very. <laughs> it's it's within the realm of possibility for them to clinch a playoff spot, which means they'd get into the playoffs one way or the other, no matter what happens for the rest of the season. Um, two very strange NFC North related uh, outcomes uh, have to come into play. Uh, they have to win first and foremost. They have to get to uh, ten and three on the season, so that's the first uh, order of business. Um, and then, of course, they need either the Packers to lose or the Giant or the Vikings to lose. The Packers are playing the Giants on Monday Night Football. The Vikings are playing at the Raiders. Um, the other uh, scenario that is possible is if both the Packers and the Vikings tie their games. I don't know about you, Akshas. I'm rooting for the tie, the ties, because that would be just absolutely hilarious. That would be the best, especially um, you think about the Packers and Vikings being tied, not only would that be great for the 49ers, but then you get into all the crazy little configurations that they, the NFC North has now that both of them have ties. Mm-hmm. The best part of football is it's not, but a fun part of football <laughs> is, um, is looking at the playoff predictor and seeing the like trillion different ways teams can get in. Yep. If I'm not mistaken, are the, the Panthers still aren't officially eliminated, right? 
Mm, let's see. What are they? One and twelve now. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> I have to do the math there, but um, I think because well, whoever's in the lead in that division is does do they even have a winning record? Um, no. That would, uh, that's real sad. <laughs> <laughs> so the Falcons are in first place in that division, right? Are they six and seven? Is that are they? I are think, they? I. Hold on, this is high quality radio right here that we're 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 working through. Um, in either either case, it's not not ideal. I don't know. I think they have been, but I'm not sure um, of that for They're for one hundred percent. Six. Okay. Um, so the Panthers are one and twelve. That means they played thirteen games. They have four. I think they're out of it technically, right? Because oh, they yeah. can only win five games. Um, and the only way to get into the playoffs for for that any team out of that division is to win the division. So I'm pretty sure they're they're pretty much eliminated, but nonetheless, <laughs> um, not locked into that number one seed that they or that number one draft pick that they're not going to have. But it's it's all good. Um, yeah, lots of other uh, things. I got I get some news and notes for us to get uh, to get started here. Um, first of all, uh, Eric Armstead was named the 49ers Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee again. I think this is four years in a row or something like that for uh, for Armstead. So here's hoping that he maybe could win this award. I'm is this a like voting by fans only award or do you even know how this works? Because I sort of asked the question out into the the social media sphere and nobody responded to me. <laughs> I don't. I think it's. I think they've made it more social media y. But if I'm not mistaken, being a nominee means that the NFL contributes some money to your foundation already, which I'm sure like right. for the players is the biggest part. I think, I think it's social media based. Yeah. That, that seems, that seems like a reasonable way to win an award. I just got to just throw that out there. Um, so that's good, but good for him. Obviously he's, he's doing a lot of good things in uh, the Bay area and Sacramento, which is uh, where he's from. Um, I know those are two different places. I said them fast, and it sounded like I thought they were one. They're not. I know that the Bay Area and Sacramento are two different places, people. Okay? Give me a break. Um, okay. So that's that's one new piece of news. And note the second, uh, former 49ers kicker Robbie Gould uh, announced his retirement today. Uh, he had a, a really awesome piece that he penned in the Players' Tribune um, that was uh, really cool to see. Um, also nice to see that he mentioned like his favorite moment, his favorite kick that he ever had um, in uh, his 18 years playing in the NFL, mostly with the Bears and the 49ers and one rando year for the Giants in the middle. Um, Akshaz, did, did you read the piece? I did not, but okay. I'm going to wager a guess live on air. Was it yep. the game winner against the Packers? It was in the in the snow, and he talked about how awesome it was because of his connection to Chicago and to be able to beat the Packers, but also to be able to to send the uh, the 49ers to the NFC Championship game because of of that kick. So yeah, that was it. Um, good good for you. So congratulations uh, to Robbie um, on his great career and um, all the opportunities that he provided this team. Um, and uh, you know, hope you have a good retirement. It's nice to probably be retired in your like early forties and just be able to be like, all right, now I'm doing whatever I want. <laughs> uh, so that's cool. Um, a couple other notes here. Uh, so found this today. Uh, so Brock Purdy can tie Dan Marino for the, um, uh, for 
in the, the it's the the record for most 110 plus passer rating games in his first two seasons. Damarino's at 12. Purdy's currently at 11. Uh, the record is held by uh, none other than Mr. Russell Wilson um, with 14. Justin Herbert has 13. So there is still a possibility that that Purdy could um, eclipse that number because he has five games left to go, and he's at 11. And so he'd only need four more of those. So. That'd be kind of a cool note uh, for Purdy. Um, and then I just read this a little bit ago, and I thought this was kind of cool. Debo Samuel has 18 career rushing touchdowns, so he's one away from breaking the all-time record for a wide receiver held by Bobby Mitchell. So that would be kind of a cool opportunity if uh, Debo could do that. And, of course, because we got the because we got the Seahawks coming up, I kind of feel like maybe that's uh, that's going to come out. So, um all right, roster-related things uh, to go over, and then we'll go through injuries and all these fun things. Uh, 49ers signed safety Logan Ryan, who was apparently on a Disney cruise when he got the call from the team about coming uh, to uh, do a workout and to get signed. Uh, they then consequently released uh, Tyrion Davis-Price, um, the third-round running back of the du jour, um, although he was uh, subsequently added back to the practice squad today. Um Took them a while, but they finally got another safety in the building. Um, a, you know, veteran guy um, who apparently initially took Davis uh, TDP's 32 and then gave it back to him when he came back in the building. So that's kind of a cool move. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's good, right? Like they needed they needed somebody back there uh, to kind of shore up the depth. I think. Yeah, I mean, and Logan Ryan's a great addition if you had to add one. Just you know. Super talented vet, been around the NFL for a while, can definitely give you some plays. He's here to, like, be the actual, like, safety. I think the 49ers are going to roll with Taylor Hawkins and Eric Harris off the practice squad as long as they can for the special team stuff. I think Ryan's here just to, like, make sure if Gibson or Jair Brown gets hurt, you have someone who actually knows how to play the position back there. But, you know... It's a, it's a signing they needed to make. I think the names that are being floated right now for the 49ers are a little more interesting in terms of making immediate high-level impacts. But just a quick note, Ty Davis-Price, I think. So the 49ers' infatuation with drafting running backs is <laughs> so confusing. But I actually do think Ty Davis-Price, of all the running backs they've like drafted before like round five, I think he was the most was given the least opportunity to succeed Mm -hmm. relative to like, so like Joe Williams, I don't even know what happened. Just like terrible draft pick. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Trey Sermon just couldn't run in the NFL. Like that's what the 49ers figured out is that he literally just like, he wasn't at the level they needed him to be. But I think Ty Davis price was pretty like decent when he got snaps, but you know, Jordan Mason has special teams value and Davis price was just never able to be active on the roster. And you would throw in Mitchell who had played really well and McCaffrey and there's just no room for him anymore. I think hopefully this is their lesson to not draft running backs (laughs) in the top three rounds anymore. Hopefully McCaffrey is somehow the like guy who makes him realize, Oh, we don't need to grab him anymore. But yeah. 
my, 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 I think my response to it in our Slack channel was, we're, we, we only need undrafted free agents and trades for generational talents. That's it. That's all we allow for the running backs from here on out. That's the rule. Um, yeah, it'll be, I mean, it's nice that they were able to bring him back. Obviously, he didn't, he didn't have the opportunity to show anybody anything for the last couple of seasons. But um, as we'll talk about in a minute, he, his opportunity may come sooner rather than later, depending on what's going on with this injury report. I do want to throw out one other name that seems to be floating around. This is not an official roster move. We don't even actually have any verification that this is happen- happening um, or that it may be happening outside of a Matt Barrows report. Um, I think Kyle Shanahan even went so far as to kind of say that it wasn't happening. And so so I'll just throw it out here. Zach Ertz, what do we think? Is that, does that seem like a, a reasonable move for at this point for a guy who's basically going to be probably like the veteran minimum and going to just be like the last five games plus the playoffs kind of thing or four games really at this point. Yes. Like 100%. But I don't think the question is whether the 49ers should get Ertz. I think the question is whether Ertz wants to join the 49ers because like if he gets on the field, he's like option six or five on any Mm -hmm. play. And that's like, Like, he adds something that this team hasn't had since Jordan Reed in 2020, which is, like, a legitimate option as your second tight end. And that's valuable. That's something the 49ers have been hunting for for basically their entire time once George Kittle emerged as a quality quality starter. But I don't – like, you can think – and, like, Philly seems like the very obvious place he'd return to mm-hmm. maybe – you know, Dallas makes sense. Miami, just there are places that can probably give him more opportunities than the 49ers. But I think for a vet minimum deal or even slightly more, since the 49ers have like 40 million in cap space right now, that's <laughs> absolutely a guy you should grab. I'm more interested not to hijack the discussion in potentially adding the Dominican Sue. I think oh. that's the guy. There's some discussion that he's looking He's basically doing this thing now where he's just going to, like, sign. Just be a mercenary for the last eight games of the season. No training (laughs) camp. None of this, like, stretch drive stuff. But when it's, like, when we get to, like, games that matter, he comes in, gets himself in shape and plays. And I do think that's a guy, especially as we'll talk about on the injury report, quick spoiler for what's up next. I think that's a guy who is absolutely someone who can help in a lot of different ways, and really solidify the interior for the 49ers. And that's going to be big because, you know, the 49ers manhandled Philly, but you get him again, and that's a good offensive line you're going to have to deal with, and you'd love to have as many bodies as possible for it. <laughs> I, did, I did not even know that that was, that was a thing, so nicely, uh, that good, good, good thought there. Um, that would be hilarious, too, because he, he was with Philly last year, right, um, during think, the, the and, stretch run. And then and Rams his, the year before that. Was he on them? Was he with the with the Rams when they won the Super Bowl? Is that right? I feel like that's right. I don't think so, but I do know last year he chose between the Eagles and the 49ers. Right. Like it was one of the two. So the 49ers have been interested in him. So I mean it's just a matter of well, they pulled the trigger. I mean, I think if you're talking about guys who can <clears throat> make an impact for this team right now. I would put Ndamukong Sue on the top of the list just because I do think he's like, you can put him in on like base downs and he just like 
consume space. And then you go Zach Ertz and then Logan Ryan. But Ryan was a necessary addition, so nothing yeah. to nothing to get annoyed about there. Yeah, he was with the Rams in 2018, um, so not the Super Bowl season, I don't believe. And then Tampa in 2019, 2020, and 21. So he was on that um, Super Bowl, that Super Bowl team with um, with Brady, and then Philadelphia last year um, for eight games. So there you go. All right. Um, speaking of the injury report, as you so uh, eloquently uh, led us into it, um, Eric Armstead, uh, who we already talked about already in a good way, but this is not so good. Um, he's added a knee injury to the foot injury that he was nursing last week. Um, they were already saying basically on Monday that it looked unlikely that he was going to play. He hasn't practiced yet this week. Uh, as we're recording on Thursday night. Um, yeah, it definitely feels like something I, I, I don't get the impression that they believe it's going to be a long-term thing, but it certainly feels like something where you just got to be like, all right, well, you got to get off your feet and just, just rest and, and see and hope that everything's good for the week after. Um, and you know, get yourself healthy to, for a, for a hopefully long playoff run at this point. Um, you don't love it, but the, the depth seems to be there. I mean, they got, uh, uh, obviously like Kalia Davis is not the same player that, uh, Eric Armstead is, but it was nice to see him out there. He had a good game on Sunday, Jav- J- Javon Kinlaw as well. Um, so they have depth there and if they, you know, looked for somebody like Ndamukong Sue, then that would help all the more, uh, in that particular area. Um, also Spencer Burford, Burford, um, with that knee injury, didn't, uh, didn't practice this week so far. Ross Dwelly has an ankle injury. Hey, Zach Ertz, there you go. Um, <laughs> Darrell Luter, uh, hamstring, Ray Ray McLeod, a rib. That one's probably the most concerning outside of, uh, Armstead simply because he was limited on Wednesday and then they downgraded him to, to out on Thursday's practice. So that's not what you want to see. Um, a, you know, a second straight a week out for Ray Ray. Um, Trent Williams has been resting all week, which at this point, again, like fine, like <laughs> do what you got to do, big guy. Um, and then the, I don't know the one that bothers me the most, and not bothers me like I'm so angry. Uh, Elijah Mitchell hasn't practiced this week with a knee injury. Saw something at the beginning of the week that he said he was sore, and I was like, how many snaps did he have on Sunday? Like I. You feel bad for the guy, right? Like he's he's the the injury thing has been the 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 big problem with him. And it, I mean, you know, on on one level, it is the reason that Christian McCaffrey is here, and so you can't complain too much about it. But at the same time, it's just like he could be such a bigger focal point uh, as a number two in this offense if they felt like they could trust him to stay on the field. But it's it's a real bummer for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's. It's so unfortunate because this has been like the story, even his rookie year is like he had, I think the best rookie year of a 49ers running back. In it was up there for sure. Yards, one or two. And then it's just, he can't stay on the field and he finally looked like he was getting his juice back. I think we've had this discussion multiple times on the podcast. If there's ever a time the 49ers are going to cut bait, Cutting Ty Davis price hurts a little bit only because he was still on that like cheap third round rookie deal. Now he's going to like vet men. You don't really like reap the benefits of him having a good year. And then you keep him around. He'll go and get an opportunity elsewhere. But beyond that, I mean, it'll be it. So first of all, it'll be so hilarious if the 49ers decision is basically 
after cutting Ty Davis price, they immediately activate him because Elijah <laughs> yeah. Mitchell can't I, go. I was going to say, I think that's really in the cards here. <laughs> but I mean, you just feel for the guy because he, he has the talent to be a really good running back in the NFL, but it's just, it's not coming together for him. And at some point, I don't know, like, you'll keep on gutting it out, but I don't like he's getting to second contract time. And I don't know if the 49ers are going to give one to him. And that's, no. that's a tough, it's a tough deal. No, it doesn't. It doesn't seem likely, especially because they're, they're still locked into McCaffrey for a couple more seasons after this. And you got to think that it's reasonable with the way that their salary cap is going to be going with the, and with Brandon Ayuk's, you know, contract coming up in the, in the this next off season, we're going to be talking about extensions and restructurings and all that kind of stuff for some of these guys that have signed bigger deals in the last couple of years. McCaffrey's got to be really high on that list of somebody that are like, you know what, if we add on, tack on a couple more years and, and extend them, then that might be something worth, worth exploring, but it'll be interesting to see what happens with, uh, with uh, Mitchell there for sure. Um, any other thoughts on any of those other injured 49ers? Armstead is is tough. I mean, we're going to talk about the Seahawks injury report, and I think that's the that's equally important as knowing who Seattle will get back. But Armstead is definitely a guy you don't want to lose. And then Ray Ray McLeod is a, absolutely an interesting situation because I think Debo Samuel back there at kickoff, you can like, and I love the Ray Ray signing. I think Ray yeah. Ray has been a fantastic like addition because he gets those additional yards that you know previous kick returners and punt returns for the 49ers haven't but when Debo Samuel is returning a kick it feels like he's gonna break one like <laughs> like or break somebody well yeah he's doing I mean <laughs> he is he's just too good and I think you don't want him to deal with the injury risks of it so I don't know what their long-term plan is but you know him back there there's a definitely an added you know athleticism and spark explosiveness on the other hand Ronnie Bell is I'm worried that like he's gonna cost the 49ers with just like muffing a punt and those are ones like you can't have he muffed one in Philly weather wasn't great it didn't look great, I'm sure, coming through the fog, but you got to have it. And if he likes, if it even looks like they, he might muff it, Kyle Juszczyk is the next option. And that means like, well, there's like punts or nothing. I mean, then you're, then you're just catching the ball, right? <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, it, it's, it's okay. It's just because there's a number 10 back there returning punts doesn't mean that something bad is going to happen. I just, for all of those, all of those of you who are having, you know, flashbacks to Kyle Williams or anything like that. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> the for the Eagles, um, the most notable name in terms of uh, players that have not practiced this week is Jordan Brooks, who has an ankle injury. Obviously, he had the one touchdown for the Seahawks in uh, the Thanksgiving game. Um, he's a kind of important part of their defense. Um, uh, cornerback Trey Brown also has a heel injury and a uh, wide receiver D Eskridge has ribs has a rib injury that they have not practiced at all this week. Um, Zach Charbonnet and Kenneth Walker jr. With a knee and oblique injuries, uh, were limited. Those are running backs. Obviously Kenneth Walker missed their last game with that oblique injury a couple weeks ago. So we'll kind of watch for that. 
and and you know both of those names because that would be basically their entire their entire uh, rushing attack would be out if if they couldn't go. Uh, safety Jamal Adams uh, knee injury has been limited. Uh, Leonard Williams with an ankle also limited. Uh, guard Anthony Bradford also with a knee. Uh, they got a lot of knee injuries. <laughs> Tackle Abraham Lucas, and then the addition to the um, the the practice uh, report and from from Thursday's practice is that Geno Smith is now on the practice uh, report or the injury report with a groin injury. On top of the fact that he's probably still dealing with whatever the you know elbow shoulder stuff that was going on um, with his uh, with him a couple of weeks ago. I imagine that's something that probably just doesn't go away. It's probably just going to be a lingering how how well can you play through it. So that's interesting. And then uh, wide receiver Jake Bobo. <laughs> just can't, I just can't say that name with a straight face. I'm sorry. Uh, he was a uh, full participant after being limited on Wednesday. Center Ed, Evan Brown is a thumb injury. He was full go. And then uh, Derek Young is an abdomen injury, but he was good to go on Wednesday as well. Um, very interesting there um, for sure. That's that's a lot of names, but yeah. um, you know I think for the 49ers, the X factor is Geno first of all because Drew Locke back there is um it's a completely different game. It benefits the 49ers probably, but it's also an unknown. But the big name, Jordan Brooks, great great player, absolutely like fantastic. But you know. If Kenneth Walker still can't get on the field, the 49ers don't have to worry about the run game as much as they do with him. He's explosive, and he allows the Seahawks to even attempt to no longer be, like, one-dimensional. And that's, like, him not playing, especially if Armstead can't go, that's, that's a huge, huge difference to this game. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. Um, so their last couple of weeks, their last, um, obviously he went out in the game against the Rams. They rushed for 68 yards in that game, just 88 against the 49ers and 72 last week in their loss over the Cowboys. Um, so the running game does seem to be impacted by that, but certainly will be something to watch out for heading into the game on Sunday. All right. Um, so this one's going to be, I think we'll still, you know, talk optimism and concern and all that kind of stuff. Cause I think there are some differences in this, um, conversation a little bit, but obviously they just they just literally had this conversation like two weeks ago. Uh, um, so I'm sure it's going to shape out a little different, but Akshaz, I'll, I'll, I'll send it over to you uh, for why we're optimistic about this game. Um, Because they won 
two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, okay. Yeah. Um, well, kind of. I think, you know, Seattle had a great offensive performance against Dallas, and we'll talk about that and the reasons for concern. But the reality is that this Seattle defense is not going to be able – like, I'm not going to say it's not going to be able to. Anyone can stop anyone. But just as I mentioned two weeks ago that they had a lot of talent, but they were really underperforming relative to that talent, it's clear that the 49ers' offense can make any defense look less than, like, average. And I don't think two weeks has somehow changed Seattle's ability to play the 49ers. I think there are a lot of the same issues. You know, Seattle doesn't tackle very well. They're not particularly stout against the run. They don't get a lot of pressure. The 49ers are going to be at home. I think the rest is a little bit of a factor, but the Eagles game for how like competitive it felt and how big the stakes were was pretty easy by the end of it. So I think the 49ers, it's not like they got mauled for 60 minutes and now have to face Seattle. They're going to be I think the rest might be a little bit of an overblown factor in discussing this game. And, you know, the biggest like thing is just as the game two weeks ago was important to basically stabilize and take control of the division. This game is important because this practically wins the division. Yeah. Obviously like things can happen, but you know, I think there's worry that, excuse me, this is a letdown game, but this is like, it's not a t-shirt and hats game, but it's as close as you can get. And I don't expect the 49ers to kind of go into a game against a division rival who they particularly aren't big fans of playing at home for the first time in two weeks. I, I don't see this game kind of falling into a typical trap game scenarios. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, that was more or less what I was thinking too is, all the things that we said leading into the Thanksgiving game are still true. Um, in fact, they might even be more true because Seattle is struggling like mightily on defense. They gave up 41 points to the Cowboys uh, on Thursday night um, after giving up 31 to the, the 49ers the week before. And as we discussed when we were talking about that game, like the 49ers really kind of let their foot off the gas a little bit in that game, right? Like they probably could have scored more than 31 points. They just, you know, they didn't need to because Seattle was not scoring points. Dallas had to keep scoring points because Seattle scored 35 on them. So a little bit of a different situation. Um, they're still among the leads league worse in points allowed. They've given up 290 points uh, so far this season, which is 25th in the NFL. They've given up just a hair over 24 points per game. And frankly, they're just not doing enough offensively to to really make that work. They're 14th in the NFL at 22 points per game um, uh, so far uh, this, from an offensive perspective. And in fact, based on their, their point differential, we were talking about this before the story started recording, this idea of point differential. They're actually outperforming things a little bit. At six and six, they probably should be just slightly under that. It may be, you know, five and seven or something like that, uh, given this this point in the season. Um, and and frankly, if you look at their all the numbers, be it the sort of raw passing numbers or the raw rushing numbers, offensively, defensively, um, or if you want to get into the more you know underlying stuff, uh, they just it, you don't look at you don't look at the team and you go. 
oh, well, here's something they do really well. Like, they don't seem to pass the ball really well. They don't stop the pass very well. They don't run the ball particularly well. They don't stop the run particularly well. It's just like they're they're kind of a an average to below average team on by pretty much every metric that you can find. Um, in fact, the only um, if you just I'm just looking at, at their pro football reference page and the only number. So you're looking at like points for and yards and, and all those so, sorts of things. Everything is in between like 11 ish. You know, the they're ranked in the NFL between like 11 and 29, something like that. 27, 29. They do have a 29th. Um, they are uh, 29th in, in rushing attempts. So good for them. Um, and the only thing that they're they're a top they're top in is their fifth in fumbles lost on a, offensively. So that's good, I guess. But yeah. Um, so you know, they're, they're just looking. They're just like, yeah, this is kind of a, a, a mediocre team, and and it showed last time when they played. And um, they're also kind of reeling a little bit. Obviously, they lost um, to the 49ers two weeks ago to the um, the Cowboys last week, and they lost a, a close game to the Rams the week before. Um, and in fact have lost, uh, four out of their last five and, uh, after it lost a Baltimore in week nine and a win over the commanders that they just barely, uh, managed uh, a couple of weeks ago on November the 12th and week 10. So you got to look at this team and go, eh, you know, they're, they're just not, they don't seem to have any one thing that you're like, Oh, that's the thing that they're going to beat you with. Right. And so. You, you 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 don't seem to be too terribly worried about it for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a fascinating year in Seattle, I think, because their defense, especially, was supposed to have bridged the gap between the 49ers and the Seahawks, and I just I don't think it has. And the reality is, with Geno Smith, this is like a tightrope situation of trying to. Um, get your team to play just well enough to where like you can compete, you can be up there while also looking for a building for the future. It's a pretty young team. There's a lot of good talent on the Florida Seahawks, but like this year it's clearly just not come together. And, you know, divisional games are tough and we can like talk segue into reasons for concern here as well. Yep. Go for it. <clears throat> I mean, Seattle's offense has, isn't like particularly great. There's a whole bunch of discussion about play calling and sequencing and basically are the weapons being used to their best abilities. But on a good day, they can throw with the best of them. And DK Metcalf, huge physical receiver. Tyler Lockett seems to always get open. Um, Jackson Smith and the Jibba had a fantastic catch against the 49ers and is as good a <laughs> third wide receiver as good of a third wide receiver as you can have in the NFL. <laughs> Sorry, that's just funny that you're just like, oh, they always do this and they always do that. And this other guy did that one thing that one time. <laughs> I don't know. It was just funny, Sonny. I know, I know, I know. It just I, made me laugh. I, I read somewhere that he purportedly might have one of the some of the best hands in the NFL, and we saw evidence of that. But, sure. yeah. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> like the 49ers, they don't play their A game on defense this game can go like a whole different direction. And I do think that could be a concern, but kind of wrapping my reason for concern in optimism, there's just so much between Seattle and the 49ers that like, 
and I do think this is somewhat true of the 49ers and the rest of the NFL. This has been the like national discourse this week is that are the 49ers like how much better, much better are they than the rest of the NFL? And I do think you can look at this roster and say, yeah, this might be pretty definitively the best roster in the NFL. But of course you have to play all the games. I just don't think Seattle can put together enough quality performances at all the places they need to. It's different with a team like Philly, where I think like a Philly or Kansas City or Baltimore or Dallas, like these upper echelon teams, they can like struggle in one way, but they have something that can absolutely like win out. I don't think Seattle has that. They they aren't at that level yet, and the 49ers are. And I think that's why like this game as Interesting as it'll be, and as much as Seattle definitely wants it, this is a hard task for them. And I think the 49ers, despite how good their the Seattle passing attack can be, I think the 49ers are in really good shape. Yeah, um, for sure. And hopefully uh, we'll see the uh, Charverius Ward following DK Metcalf around thing again because that seemed to work pretty well last time. But um, yeah, I think for me it's all sort of intangible things. Um, so, for instance, that Pete Carroll has never lost four games in a row as the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. That might be ever, but um, I think just as, as far as I could tell, it's just with Seattle. Um, they're on a three-game losing streak, you know, the, but these things are meant to be broken, I would have to say. Um, you mentioned the three days extra rest before. I think it's going to be a little overblown because, as you said, the Niners' exertion levels really went down, especially later in the game against Philly. Um, and I, I it, and, and it wasn't a terrible, you know, it was it was a late game in the East Coast, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't. And the, and this and now they're getting a late game the following Sunday back at home. So I think it'll, I think it'll be okay. I'm not sure. It, it seems like they've had kind of a slow start uh, to the week in terms of like getting out there for for practices and getting everybody ready to go at this point in the season. A lot of it is just managing your 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 uh, your body and all that kind of stuff, and so I'm not terribly concerned about that. But it is something to watch out for because people made a huge deal out of it in, after the Philadelphia game about how the Eagles had to play three games in 13 days, as if the Niners had not just got done gotten done doing a similar stretch before that. But that's neither here nor there. And then of course there's the whole the other thing that you mentioned, which is like the not necessarily a trap game because I think they're aware of the fact that Seattle has good pieces out on its team, but more of a letdown game, I think like, um, so it's not like they're losing to a bad team, but losing, allowing a team that they should, that they should be beating more handily. And we know that because, well, they have the last three or four times that they played them, um, and allowing them to kind of stick around in the game and, and not be able to kind of put their, put their foot down and, and really close the thing out. So that would be, that would be my concern as well. It's not necessarily ending one thing that, that Seattle is doing or a, or will be able to do, but just that some weird conglomeration of all these things will kind of come together and make it more difficult and therefore allow for Seattle to have a foot in the game that they might not otherwise have. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think this is like, look, Clearly, the 49ers cared about beating Philly. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think you can, we can deny this. And I think that's a huge, like, there's a huge emotional 
like kind of letdown that happens with them exercising the proverbial demons of their game and this team. The reality is, you know, like we said in this three-game stretch when it was starting, the Seattle games are the important one. The Philly one is cool, right? Like no one's going to say no to 42-19 against <laughs> the number one seed in the NFC. But these are the games you need. So, you know, it's on Coach Shanahan, I think, more than anything to make sure that the guys are are ready to go. I don't ex- – this is a pretty professional team. I don't expect, yeah. like, a complete, like, letdown. But I do think they it – like, this might be a game that – unlike the Philly game, which was similar insofar as, like, the first quarter happens and you're like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> the, like – did they like get on the plane? What happened here? <laughs> this is gonna be the first game where somebody where a team gained zero yards. <laughs> I think I think this is gonna be a game where the first quarter to like first half maybe the 49ers might be a little sloppy, might see more field goals than touchdowns, but hopefully they all coalesce nicely as the game continues. Yeah. Um so I was just looking at something really quickly as you were talking, and it reminded me. So the 49ers are in play for a very interesting uh, statistical situation, and one that has not happened terribly frequently. Um, and that is, it's possible. Now they're going to need to. Um, it's going to it's going to take some work, but it's it's in play. They're right now third in the NFL in points for. Um, at 29.3 points per game and second in points against at 15.8 points per game. So what I'm saying is it's in play for them to, they're they're very likely to finish in the top five in those categories, Um, maybe top three, top two, but it's in play for them to finish as the number one scoring offense and defense uh, in the league. I think Dallas might have something to say about that, Um, but it certainly is in play. So that's kind of an interesting, like, Hey, let's watch and see how this goes. Not like, you know, these things matter, but it is kind of interesting to to see how that's going to go. That would be awesome. I mean, minus a three-game stretch that had I I'll admit it. I was like, "Oh my god, like what's going on? Are they like are they even close to good enough?" <laughs> I was there. I was there. I like 100% was there. But um I do think the 49ers have shown that they're in the key like upper class of the NFL. And that'll be for a season that minus their, their own miscues, essentially they've pretty much dominated. That would be a great feather in the cap, but you know, we're talking about all these things, but I think Eric Armstead had a great, great quote in his um, interview with fan cited. He was like, you know, we think we have a chance, but you got to execute. That's true. They just got to they got to execute now. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's a good point. Um, way, to, way to bring that in. All right. <laughs> um, hopefully more from that interview coming later uh, via Niner Noise uh, as you're listening to this and getting ready. Go check that out um, and see what we got to say about that as well. Um, all right, Akshaz. It's prediction time, so I think you have to predict a loss, and I have to predict. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we were joking about that in the in the as the Eagles game was was getting more and more out of hand. We were like, okay, so the formula is that Aksha, as if as if we have any control over this, that we I pick a close game and you pick a loss, and that ten that seemed because that's what happened against Dallas as well, I believe. Um, and that turned out to be a blowout, and then we did it with Philadelphia again, and that turned out to be a blowout. So. 
twice as a causation, I think that's that's mathematically correct. Is that is that no, I don't think so. Um, but anyway, Akshas, how do we think this one's going to go um, on Sunday? Well, so despite everything I've said for the last hour or so, you know, the rea- the reality is the 49ers simply can't match up against. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I think I think, Whoa. you know, this will be. This will be closer than expected. I don't know what the spread is. I think the Niners are like... Like 10 and a half half. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So my unofficial, because please never listen to me in making bets. You will lose your money. I I promise you this. um, Is that I think Seattle will definitely get it closer than that. I'm going to say 27-21. I have a feeling that the game is... It'll be a fun game. And I don't think it'll be a game that they're ever like in danger of losing, but I think it'll be a game where the the only thing like I'll say on our like recap, as I ever say, whenever they kind of play, it's like, you know, it really felt like they could have put on like 40 points. It kind of felt like they let them in. I, I expect a kind of sloppy game, but the 49ers ultimately take care of business. All right. Well, you're going more rationally. I'm, I'm here to I'm here for for some more smashing. Um, I'm doing 35 to 12. Wow. No, that's not necessarily a prediction that the that uh, excuse me that Seattle's going to kick a bunch of field goals. Um, I could see a scenario where you know they they feel like they need to go for two or something like that. They score a touchdown and they miss it or something. You know, because that's how Seattle that's how Philly got to 19 last week was was that. So yeah, I just I don't know. It just doesn't feel like this Seattle team has got it. Um, they didn't have it last year, and this is a, I think, noticeably worse version of Seattle than, for some reason, uh, than it was when they were in the playoffs last year and they played each other three times. Um, and, and a noticeably better version of the 49ers. Co- correct, yes. So <laughs> I think that's the, both things are true. Um, you know, I could certainly see a situation where, I mean, because if you think about it, like they scored 42 points against Philadelphia, but it didn't really seem like they were going to get like it was one of those things like it didn't feel like they were going to get to 40. Right. Like it was kind of lumbering along and especially after the Drake Greenlaw thing. And it was a close because it was what, 21, 13 at that point. And you're like, oh, here we go. Like if I had told you when it was 21, 13 that the 49ers are going to score 42 points in that game, would you have been like, I don't really like, yeah, no. Probably not. Like you would have been a little skeptical. You've been like, sure, they probably could, but I don't think they're going to. Like this is clearly two heavyweights mashing up against each other, and it didn't turn out that way. So I could see something like that where it looks like it's a little closer, and then all of a sudden you look up and you're like, oh, they're up by 20 points, and this game's over. So at least that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> um, you know, keep keep on doing it. We're 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 the bird hunting continues. Um, we got. Three more weeks of this, including this Sunday, and then and then more bird hunting for a while. Um, so, all right, Ox, has any final words on this one before we wrap it up? I mean, I'm just like, I love the fact that we've spent this entire podcast talking about all sorts of things, and there hasn't been like any dread about playing Seattle. As of like, for me, growing up as a 49ers fan, that's huge. Like the fact that like I'm this comfortable being like, yeah, I mean, they'll beat Seattle. Maybe something weird happens, but I think they got it. That's that's such a new feeling. And I mean, <laughs> it's it's I just like it kind of hits me in waves sometimes where like it's like, oh, wow, the 49ers are like actually good. You know, sometimes mm. it's like, I don't know, 
Like it doesn't feel like it when I'm watching the games and I'm getting stressed out all the time, but just, <laughs> you know, this is, um, the stars are aligning is what I'll say, but in football, you always got to earn your destiny. So I think with this team, it's all about taking it week by week, making sure they get one more win. Depending on how this weekend goes, we might be having a completely different discussion next week about what the 49ers mm -hmm. are trying to aim for heading into the playoffs. And the fact that they're in that conversation with everything that went down, like before getting here, is just a testament to the quality of this team. For sure. All right. Um, I'm going to I'm going to say something really gross that nobody's going to want to hear, but it needs to be said. Are you ready? OK. 49ers fans, we have to root for the Cowboys on Sunday. And then the following week, we have to root for the Seattle Seahawks. I don't like this any better, any more than anybody else does. But these are things that are true. Um, and in order, because frankly, um, after these next two games for the Philadelphia Eagles, they're not losing again. Like, there's absolutely no way they're going to lose to the Giants or is it Arizona? I think it's Arizona's the other team. Uh, the, the final three games of Philadelphia season are Giants, Arizona, Giants again. So this is a, you know, it reminded me because you said you're, you're the thing you're talking about with the, with the playoffs and all that kind of stuff. Like, this is it. Like, these next two weeks are really, really important uh, from seeing your opposition lose ground kind of thing. And I think if there's any reasonable way for the, for the Eagles to lose twice more, this is it. Like, they, it's got to be the next two weeks or you're, you're not feeling really good about that. And the Niners only the only path is winning out. Um, and really, that's only if the Eagles loses once more. So that was gross. And I didn't like it, but it's got to be done. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, you know, it would be great if we could sit here <laughs> and be like, oh, yeah, they're going to beat Baltimore. Like Niners aren't losing a game the rest of the year. We just got to choose one of Dallas or Seattle. But I think you're right. But, you know, part of it's like if they just like remembered how to play defense or kick a field goal, we wouldn't be having this discussion, but true, true. But that's in the past. We can't, yes. uh, we can't do anything about that. Yep. All right. Well, now that I've said that gross thing, I'm going to go wash that out of my brain and think about something else later. But um, <laughs> as always, uh, thanks for listening to this episode of the Niner Noise podcast, part of the fan sided podcast network. Please continue to check out NinerNoise.com for all your latest 49ers news and analysis and be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And of course, share it with all your fellow 49er fan friends. So until next time, let's sound the horn, 49ers. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.